0: subway sports talk dan 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 clear of the closing doors please (laughs) all right here we go subway sports talk my name is peter kennedy and i am your host thank you so much as always for tuning in SST. On Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate you as always for tuning in. Solo pod here tonight. Very excited. It's gonna be a short one. I do often say that it ends up not being so short, but this should be a short one. But we do have some things to talk about. We have a bigger episode planned for the middle of the week that's probably coming out on Thursday. So stay tuned for that where we actually revisit our quarterback rankings halfway through this season where my friend Paul Barquita and I talked about our full QB rankings 1 to like 32 we did maybe we at 35 whatever it was we're going to rehash that see who's jumped a tier see who's dropped down a tier and really talk about the quarterback play over the course of these first 8 weeks but for tonight or for this morning depending on when you're listening to this we do have another quarterback to talk about more specifically. And that's the quarterback of the New York Giants. Because there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to assess, but it's really hard to assess. So what I want to do here today is try to navigate all that stuff, all the outside noise, all the unfortunate injuries that are making it harder and harder to look at this team the overarching uh, general manager issue that many people believe the Giants have, the head coach questions that exist, there's a lot of questions in the air for the New York Giants. And that only scratches the surface of the questions for the Kansas City Chiefs that just only beat the Giants by three points and really needed a big-time help early in the game with that terrible interception By Daniel Jones, that gave the Chiefs a great field position in their first touchdown, which only was one of two for them tonight. So very weird game here Monday night, and a really a weird week, right? So I'm not going to go through, you know, the whole game top to bottom. I mean, the whole week top to bottom, and talk about how the Bengals beat uh, the Jets, beat the Bengals, the Bengals ruined Survivor pools across the country, and it was brutal. Uh, We're not going to talk about how Tom Brady threw three interceptions and lost to a backup quarterback. Yeah, we're not going to get into all that. There was a lot, and that even just scratches the surface. We're not going to talk about how, you know, the Rams go up 38-0 and then don't cover 16-and-a-half. Like, what? There's just weird stuff going on across the National Football League. Even a team like the Buffalo Bills, who did win by 15 points, you know, they struggled to get going. They didn't get get off to any sort of successful uh, offensive football until the fourth quarter. It, it was just strange. The The Steelers hold off the Browns 15-10. The Browns can't score. You know, the, the Colts' Titans don't even get me started, the Colts being one of my picks this week. And, and Carson Wentz, you had to give it to him. Well, at least I was giving it to him. He's been quite successful at not blowing it so far this year. His interceptions were way down. He hadn't thrown a pick six in a while since last season and it looked like they were going to take care of business and get back into this uh, AFC South race and all of a sudden he's in his own end zone getting tackled flips it up with his left hand and hands them back the ball game and, and still had another chance to win it later on it, it was just it was madness and on top of that the chargers who were the darling of this league uh, just 2 weeks back and goes back to that narrative of What happens week to week in this league? We love a team two weeks ago. We love them more one week ago. Then we think they suck. And then we know they suck. And then all of a sudden they come back and we think they're great again. And that's what I could see happening with this Chargers team. Two duds in a row. Not that this was a dud against New England. They played okay. They they were in it. They were competitive. They could have, should have, would have until the pick six uh, for the Patriots kind of put them back on top there. Right, So the Chargers were the darling, then they get whomped by the Ravens and then lose to the Patriots. The Ravens go out and get whomped by the Bengals, who then lose to the Jets. who The Jets beat the Titans just a few weeks ago, and now the Titans have beaten the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Colts in a division game in Indianapolis, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. What the hell happens in this National Football League? It is so hard to assess what's going on and how to predict forward. You know, you always think in the first couple weeks of the season, right? In weeks one, two, and three, uh, just wait until we get to that halfway point. We can really learn about what these teams really are, are made of. What are these teams core values? What teams can we trust? Which teams on Sunday do we know are not going to lay an egg against a whack opponent? We think we're going to figure that stuff out. And then you get, these types of performances here in week eight. Now you could also make the argument that there hasn't been this type of week yet this season. There hasn't been that double digit favorite who ruined survivor pools across the country yet, right? It hasn't really happened that much. The teasers have almost been too good to this point and they're called teasers for a reason, right? I'm not even just talking gambling. I'm just talking big picture here. Most of the big time favorites were coming away with victories. And I don't know if you saw my Twitter. I had a feeling about this Jets game. I said it to multiple people before Sunday, Sunday morning. I went to Twitter at 1.11 p.m. 1.11 p.m. Game hardly started. And I said, who's ready for the Jets to ruin these survivor pools? And I hate myself for it. I hate myself. I really, really do. Because I felt it in my bones. I wanted to take the Rams in my survivor pool. And I said, oh, let me check their schedules. Let me see who I might take again in a week or two. And I was like, oh, I think I like the Rams better in a week or two. I'll go with the Bengals. And look at me now, out of the survivor pool with many of you, and we keep it moving. And we try to figure this thing out. And that, I didn't even, I didn't even touch the Packers-Cardinals game because that feels like distant history with all the wonkiness that took place just two days ago. But that game was crazy too. Kyler Murray gets banged up. Almost comes back and gets a huge touchdown to beat Aaron Rodgers on primetime, which we know is not an easy thing to do. Rodgers without three wide receivers, uh, three who happen he happens to like more so than the others. Or three, I shouldn't say wide receivers, three targets. And he comes out and puts up 24 and gets a victory. The Cardinals offense looks to struggle for one of the first times this season. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? And now the Jets beat the Bengals, right? Now Thursday night, they're uh, 10.5 point underdogs Thursday night against the Colts. Against the Colts. Should should Carson Wentz be allowed to be a double-digit favorite? Should he be allowed to do that? I don't know. It, ma- it makes me want to bet the Jets plus 10.5. And then the Jets, who just beat the Bengals, the darling of the league over the past two weeks, they come out and lay an egg. And they lose by 17. Who's shocked? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Not, I won't be shocked. And then we get the Browns and the Bengals, man. We have so many. Oh, I Also, I didn't even mention the damn Cowboys and the Vikings on Sunday night. The Cowboys with Cooper Rush putting it together in some ways, hanging tight, Vikings playing scared, scared to lose instead of ready to win. That offense was abysmal. A Vikings team who I've backed a lot this year. Thankfully, I did not pick them this week. It wouldn't have mattered. My picks were one and four anyway. But that, it was terrible out of Kirk Cousins, terrible out of that offensive scheme, and terrible out of that whole team playing scared to lose. Man, it is, it is just brutal. It is just brutal. And we're going to talk more leading into the weekend about who some of these teams are, who do we actually trust. Because right now I'll tell you what. There's maybe two teams in each division, each conference I should say, that I truly trust, to be solid every week. And even that is a little bit shady to say because one of those teams for me is the Rams. And they laid a semi-dud against the Cardinals a couple weeks back, right? They laid a dud, but I trust them to be in it. And I trust them to be deep in the playoffs in one way or another. They're around town. Surprisingly, I trust the Dallas Cowboys to be in it. It's. You know, I thought it was with Dak Prescott at the helm. Even without him, apparently, they'll be in it. But with Dak Prescott at the helm, this team will be in it. I'm not going to overreact to Tampa Bay. They're going to be in it. I trust them enough to be in it. The Packers, I mean, it's hard to say that you don't trust them. It's hard, really hard to say that you don't, right? But they're 7-1. and one. They keep taking care of business. They got a point differential of just plus 25. Now, if they lost week one in a more normal fashion, yeah, it would be a lot a lot better of a point differential. But 7-1, and one, they keep pushing it down the road, taking care of business, trying to get healthier. But they're not really doing that. But they're 7-1. I, t- I kind of trust. I think we know what we're going to get there. You know, So maybe there's four teams in the NFC that I really trust. Yeah, I guess you could throw the Cardinals too. I don't know. I guess so. I've been a little nervous about this Cardinals team all along. So how am I going to sit here and say I trust them? Then in the AFC, man, what, what are we looking at? What are we saying? All I'm saying is Buffalo is going to come out and put a great performance together almost every single week, and I trust them. The Ravens, for me, second behind that. Trust they're going to put together a good performance every week because the coaching staff, because Lamar, and that's about it. Can't trust the Titans, even though they're on a nice heater. Can't trust the Raiders. They're the Raiders. Can't trust the Bengals, Apparently can't trust the Steelers. They kind of stink on offense. They very much so stink on offense. Thought we can trust the Chargers, you can't. Patriots, who the hell knows? Chiefs just beat the Giants by three, and it was ugly. Really ugly. I didn't trust them. None of them. Uh Uh-uh. So right now, the NFC is looking a little trustworthy. AFC, not so much. So let's move on. Subway Sports Talk. Talk about the New York Giants here, because this is why I came here tonight. Didn't even mean to do that whole uh, 10-minute little thing there. The New York Giants have issues, and they're obvious. Some of them are. The obvious issues for the New York Giants are none of their skill players are healthy. The obvious issues for the Giants is that they can't block consistently for their young quarterback. An obvious issue for the Giants is that the defense that was supposed to be their bread and butter, their staple, their main thing to hang their hat on this year Hasn't been that great. Hasn't been special very much at all. And if you want to say, hey, look what they just did to the Chiefs. Look what the Chiefs just did to the Chiefs, man. They haven't been good in weeks. The Giants defense ain't been special. Okay? Those are the obvious issues. Daniel Jones taking a sack on a final drive. Obvious issue, right? All these things are simple. They make sense. Saquon Barkley, three games missed. Galladay and Shepard and Slayton, three games missed. Tony, two games missed, injured again in this game on Monday night. Played through it, but injured again. Think about that. Barkley, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Tony. Perhaps you would argue they're five most important weapons for Daniel Jones. (laughs) If you don't say Evan Ingram, who actually resurrected tonight and did something for once, right? So those are the obvious issues. Everybody knows these things, right? But what are the other issues that are actually more important to this team? What are the other issues that not one day after a 17-14 loss to the Chiefs are more important? It's the issues with decisions that the owners have to make for this team moving forward. And I know it's just week eight, but it's important to think about because what happens over the next eight or whatever, nine weeks, however many weeks are left in this season, are important. And it obviously starts with Daniel Jones, but how do you assess this man properly with the last couple things that I just stated? Skill players, decimated. Offensive line, still poor. Daniel Jones, without those two things, it's not going to be easy for him to succeed. And it's not going to be easy for us to evaluate him as fans, as professionals, as the actual scouts in the building, scouts of other teams. I don't care. Whoever is looking to try and assess Daniel Jones is going to have a hard time being 100% honest with himself or herself because of those things. Number one receiver, number two receiver, number three receiver, number four receiver, All missed double-digit games. Saquon Barkley, out again Monday night. Daniel Jones himself banged up a week ago. Got out of concussion protocol. Thankfully, he was okay. Offensive line, still bad. So who are we trusting to make these decisions? Dave Gettleman. Joe Judge. Dare I say, Jason Garrett. Who I think might be public enemy number one in the eyes of Giants fans. And boy, if we could all go back a year or two ago when he got hired, if you poll Giants fans, if you just, and I don't usually like to do this type of thing because I don't think that ownership and general managers and coaches should be listening to fans because most of the time we all don't know, right? We don't know what it takes to call an offense. We don't know what it takes to call plays in an NFL game. We have no clue. We have the slightest idea. Most people would be having their heads spinning around hearing one simple play that might be one of the most standard plays in the playbook. When you hear about the X and the Z and the Y and motions and and options within routes, we would all be mind-boggled, right? So I don't like doing that. But when we heard Jason Garrett was going to be the offensive coordinator of this team, do you know a Giant fan who has any sort of rationale in their bones? who was excited about that, who thought this was going to work out, this was going to end up being some sort of great move. Now, sure, there are some Giant fans who talked themselves into it, who said, hey, you know, he had a few successful years down there in Dallas. He really, you know, they could move the ball. I think maybe he could uh, put uh, Daniel Jones in position to succeed like he did for Dak, right? Like, of course, there's going to be those Giant fans who are a slight bit delusional who are always a bit glass half full before a season starts, who say it's going to be okay. And you know what? This is our guy. And he's going to make strides this year. Right? There's always those guys. But consistently watching this team, there's frustration on every single level. Every single level. If you're watching the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning Monday Night Football broadcast tonight, which I enjoy very much every week, Every week they're on, for that matter. They had Michael Strahan as a guest. And he asked a simple question that many of us ask. And it really reminded me, it reminds us all, that every single person in the NFL, everybody watching at home, sometimes there are some parallels. Every every once in a while, there are things that you know don't make sense to everybody. And that includes professional athletes. And Michael Strahan asks... The, the two quarterbacks, the Mannings. What is up with quarterbacks throwing four yards on third and five? How come it's third and seven, you throw five yards every time? Like, what is up with that? It makes me frustrated at home. It makes me annoyed. And and Giants fans, and Eli Manning right there, man. Eli Manning sitting there, who obviously we had frustration with that quarterback, Eli Manning, playing in that same manner, right? Why does it happen? And that makes me feel good as a fan because I don't like to criticize play calling, as I just mentioned, because I don't, I don't know. I know I can't do it, right? So I don't like to criticize. But every once in a while, you see that out route. The Sterling Shepard on the goal line moments after Michael Strahan says it. Says it out loud on live television. Why do you throw it four yards on third and five? And that's what they do. Daniel Jones a little bit late. Sterling Shepard gets a little too close to the sideline. Can't catch it and go upfield. He gets uh, fallen da- falls down, gets out of bounds. Two-yard game. Third and four. Great. There it goes again. Is that Daniel Jones' fault? Maybe he could have thrown a little earlier and, and gave in Sterling Shepard a better chance to move upfield after catching it. Maybe. But maybe not his fault because of the play call. Is it Sterling Shepard's fault for not getting to the sticks? We don't know. We don't know what the route call is. It's third and five. He went about two and a half, three. You know, is that Shepard messing up where the sticks are? Is that the route calling to be that short? Is it Garrett's fault? Or did Garrett say, hey, get to the sticks. And then he read the defense and came in too tight. Hey, DJ, get rid of this quick. And then he had pressure, he couldn't do it. We don't know. But on all accounts, it's frustrating. And Michael Strahan, an all-time defensive lineman, sits there with the same frustrations that we have as fans. Which makes me feel good, in a way, to be honest. But the Garrett stuff's obvious. Never feels special. And does he have... Weapons to play with right now? No. And that goes to my next point. Dave Gettleman is technically still the guy with the keys to making all these assessments, followed by Joe Judge, who pulls the the big-time strings on who's playing and game planning and empowering coaches and whatnot. So those two guys have to make these assessments. If you're going to sit here and say, hey, you can't really assess Daniel Jones because his receivers are hurt, his running back's hurt, and his O-line sucks wouldn't you say the same thing about Jason Garrett? Eh, can't really assess Jason Garrett's play calling, you know? His receivers are hurt, his running backs hurt, and his O-line sucks. And on top of that, his quarterback might be average at best. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When you put it that way, it's a bit more confusing. And and that makes me ponder the idea of cleaning house and the realistic or not-so-realistic nature of that idea. Because I think a lot of Giants fans would sign up for no more Dave Gettleman as general manager. I know they would sign up for no more Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. I think fans in general are still down with giving Joe Judge some more leash, but we know how that goes when the GM who hires a coach leaves. A couple more struggles, and then that new GM who comes in wants to bring in his own guy and it ain't going to get turned around tomorrow for the New York Giants. So what are we doing other than perhaps delaying the inevitable? Because right now I believe if you clean house with Dave Gettleman, there's less of a tie to Daniel Jones. I'm going to leave Jason Garrett out of it because who the hell cares? He's gone. If you lose Dave Gettleman, you have less of a tie to Daniel Jones. And if you lose Dave Gettleman and perhaps Daniel Jones, this new GM will have nearly no tie to the current head coach, Joe Judge. So if you like Daniel Jones, if you like Joe Judge, can you see this realistically getting turned around in the next year? Can you see the Giants putting together a legitimate team competent, and competitive product by the end of next season when Daniel Jones' rookie contract will end. Because right now I can imagine a scenario where Daniel Jones doesn't get a big contract, obviously going into next year, but gets the leash of his fourth year of the contract, of the rookie contract, to see what happens, to see where this team's at. With that being said, I think it's perhaps delaying the inevitable. The inevitable being that Dave Gettleman's going to be gone, Joe Judge is going to be gone, and Daniel Jones is going to be gone in the next two years at minimum. So, what are we assessing? A broken receiver core, a banged up, quote unquote, star running back, a play caller who has no toys to play with and has been bad in his tenure as the Giants OC, a head coach who preaches discipline. And preaches, you know, the Belichick mentality, if you will. With a team that's actually showing quite a lack of discipline every single week. A quarterback who makes you say, wow, in the best way and worst way possible. Wow, what a throw by Daniel Jones. That guy can really throw the deep ball. Wow, are you kidding me? How did you not see that linebacker? And a guy in Dave Gettleman who never says the right thing, who hasn't made the right pick, more or less, who hasn't paid the right people in free agency, and hasn't truly helped this team become a winning franchise again. We had flashes last year. We had moments where some signings looked really strong. Got to give him that, Bradbury. One guy who comes to mind. But overall, it's a lot of the same. It's a lot of frustration watching this offense. It's a lot of disappointment trying to count on this defense. And it's a lot of underwhelming days watching Giants football. Hanging your hat on a few highlights from Daniel Jones. And trying to forget the handful of negative to straight up meh plays that you see on a week-in, week-out basis. So in summation, is my point that they should get rid of Daniel Jones at the end of this season? It is not. I think you should give him one last year to see what happens, as you should with Joe Judge. But if I were a betting man, which if you listen to this show, you know I am, I would bet on, in one and a half years' time, Daniel Jones is no longer going to be the quarterback. Joe Judge will no longer be the head coach. And Dave Gettleman will no longer be the general manager. And that may mean greener pastures. That may mean a really good thing for this franchise. But for the immediate future, and for the semi-immediate future, you're going to see a lot more games like you saw on Monday night. And not a lot of games like you saw two weeks ago against the Carolina Panthers where the Giants won by double digits. Because that's what this Giants team's been for years, for a while. And the way things are going now, the health of this franchise most literally and metaphorically is not very healthy. So there we have it. The Giants are in no man's land. You almost want to just say, hey, Let's get some good picks here. That's a saving grace. Currently, I believe they're sitting at 4th and 10th on the picks here in the first round. And is this the pick where they go get a quarterback? Maybe not. Probably not. Not a big quarterback draft. It's not. But you need to improve big time with those two top half first round picks. And I don't think Edelman's going to get the chance to make two more first-round picks for this franchise. And that starts a new process because how often does a head coach make it through two GMs in this type of situation? How long does a quarterback who's been average at best overall make it through two GMs and perhaps two coaches in this situation? Not very often. Not very often. All right, y'all. That's all I got. Pete Kennedy, Subway Sports Talk. The Knicks also lost on Monday night. Tough game. They fell apart in the third quarter. Hate to see it, but they're now 5-2. Uh, and two. Still a very strong start for the New York Knicks. We love to see that, of course. The one thing I'll give you as my last words for the New York Knicks is keep an eye on the shooting of Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier over the next couple day, uh, games here. They came out incredibly hot the first six games. They were averaging combined over seven threes made on less than 15 threes attempted per game. They were going over 50%. That's not very sustainable, despite both of those players being very good. You know, Fournier's in the mid 40s, Kemba's in the mid 50s before Monday night's game. And they both hit a couple on Monday night as well. That's going to regress a little bit. You got to see RJ step up, got to see Quick step up, and Randall maybe get a little more efficient because he's been solid too. So the Knicks are fine. Going to be exciting continuously watching them. Um, And last but not least, let me just throw this in there, actually, because uh, the picks are not great this weekend, or they were not great this weekend. My boy Pat Boyle not here with me tonight. We'll have him back soon. Don't worry about it. But, unfortunately, we combined for two and eight, and that goes for a big... I hate myself. And uh, we normally go through all our picks, and we talk about the ones we regret, ones we don't regret, which ones we would make again. And uh, I have a couple that kind of suit both. And I'll just talk about one of them real quick. I already talked about the Bengals situation. I already talked about the Colts situation. So for the Bengals, let me just do one more time. I hate myself. Because, God, I felt it, man. I felt it in my bones. The teasers were too good for uh, to all of us over the first seven weeks of the season. I should have known. I shouldn't have been so frisky with the three-team 10-point teas, despite the other two legs of the teaser uh, working out pretty, pretty well. So tough one there but I do hate myself a little bit for back in the Bengals even though I really felt felt po- I felt bad about that one didn't feel right making the pick just didn't um the Colts I actually got to say I regret nothing. they controlled that game for a large portion of it they had an opportunity late to take control and win it themselves again Wentz has been very mistake averse so far this year it didn't really bother me that we lost that one obviously I was frustrated that the Colts couldn't take care of business and cover that one Titans been hot. They've had the luck on their side. They got a little bit there when Wentz kind of pooped his pants in the end zone there and gave it back to him. It was a good game. I felt like I made a sound decision, and the Colts showed that um, for most of the game there. So what are you going to do? In regards to the Broncos, nice win. We like that. Obviously, I regret nothing because the Broncos covered, even though it didn't look very good. And then uh, on to the second teaser of the week. I took the Lions plus nine and a half. Jaguars plus nine and a half. Neither of those two teams covered. The only reason that I'll say is because of the process. Sometimes you have to just trust it. There were not a lot of strong, uh, six point teaser legs this week. And when I say that I'm talking about where do those uh, spreads line up and what value are you getting when you're grabbing those six points onto your teaser? Right? So I, I say on the picks all the time, if you're passing the three, If you're passing the 7, if you're passing a 10, a 14, those are all more valuable, right? So if you're passing between 1, .5, 0, .5 on the other side, and 1 on the other side, it's such a small uh, range where those points actually matter, right? So those points aren't very valuable. If you're going to pick a side, a.k.a. a team to win and or cover, you don't really care about the minus a half, plus a half. That's a whole point that's really worth nothing, in your teaser. So if you're going from uh, plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half, you pass the three, you pass the seven. I think you're starting to figure out what I'm saying. So in that regard, I got them from uh, three all the way up to nine. So we got away from the three. We got away from the seven. So yeah, I, I do feel okay about that. They just both suck. And that that's crappy. Sometimes you bet on a team and then you realize, yeah, no, this team's bad. I don't know why I trusted them. And, and that's a little frustrating, but from a process standpoint, I'm fine with it. And I regret nothing. Uh, betting on Matt Ryan is a hate-yourself situation always. Whether he wins it for you, he loses it for you, or he pushes, you're just, like, not enjoying it most of the time. And then I obviously made that pick way before Calvin Ridley was announced out. Probably would have changed my mind a little bit there um, just because he's their best offensive player. And that much more, you know, focus on Kyle Pitts can make it harder and the running backs, of course. So I might have re- rethought that one, but I'll say... Because I probably, I probably still would have went with it. Because I was kind of betting against the Panthers as well, to be honest. And Sam Darnold went back to the legs, figured out how to score some points, and, and they got the job done. What are you going to do? All right. Subway Sports Talk. Thank you guys for listening. Not too much longer than I actually planned for. I was shooting for 25 minutes, 33 for 34. Not too shabby. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the solo pod. We'll be back later in the week to talk football, to talk quarterback rankings and tiers. Based off our uh, preseason list and rankings, it's going to be a super fun episode, so stay tuned for it. Don't forget to hit us on Instagram and Twitter at Subway Sports uh, Talk, T A L K on IG and TikTok, actually. And then Twitter at Subway Sports Talk, T L K. Thank you guys. Um, never get to say it enough. Appreciate you for listening. Always. For real. Like the fact that anybody takes time out of their day, you may enjoy it. You may just put it on because you like me. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you hate listening to this and you listen anyway. No matter what you do, when you click play on Subway Sports Talk, just know that a big uh, thank you comes from me, right from my heart to you guys. So enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back soon with more content. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Cheers.